doggy. My name is Gunner, and I play in a local Austin band called The Big Gun Show. This is the very first, the premiere episode of the My Top 5 Records podcast. I've started this podcast to sit down with other songwriters, musicians, artists, and lovers of music just to talk about their top five records that have inspired them, their musical tastes, and their lives. Everyone's got a reason why they pick their top five, and often they're different. It might be because they influence their lives or their music. It might be because they take them back to memorable times in their lives. Or heck, it might even describe a smell or a taste when they first heard it. Tonight I'm rapping with Jeff Plankenhorn, a.k.a. The Plank. I think he might be the best multi-instrumentalist in Austin. And if you've never seen him play dobro or guitar or any other stringed instrument, get out there. He's epic. Plank co-hosted Sun Radio's Texas Radio Live show on Wednesday night at Guero's. I brought down my mobile setup. And we thought we could use the back room at Guero's, but they had a big party back there. So we had to go on down and find some place quiet like Joe's Coffee. Well, it wasn't that quiet. You're going to hear some stuff in the background. Some cars, maybe a motorcycle, maybe some tables being shuffled around, but that's okay. Because the conversation, it's incredible. Now close your eyes. You've been locked up for 10 years. What five records do you have? All right, Jeff, let's talk. Okay. Mr. Plank. Mr. Plank. I haven't heard Mr. Plank. I get a lot um, of Dr. Dr. Plankenstein. Dr. Plankenstein happens once a year. Now, I know your top five records. You've told me these, and I was impressed. The fact that I said, hey, this is going to be really difficult for you to pick your top five records. It wasn't hard. And you you came back within like five seconds with all of them. Yeah, it was pretty quick. I did have to shuffle between a couple, but the first four were really, 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 really easy. Well, well, so I would think that you're, I mean, the ones that I I heard that that you said were... uh, what was it Jimi Hendrix? Axis Bold is Love. Yeah. Uh, what are the other four? I know that. The Towns Van Zant Live at the Old Quarter, the double album. Killer. Yeah. Um, there is a. The a Best s- of Sacred Steel, which I, I can't wait to talk about. Okay, good, good, good. Of course. Uh, Patty Li- Griffin. Yeah, Living with Ghosts. Which the blew me away. The famous Patty Griffin album, and uh, the one that really, really got me hooked that some people got me into. And then, of course. Probably the one that is number one why I play music at all, which is Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Wow. Okay, well, let's start talking about that. Sure. Why? Okay, it came out in 1976. I was born in 1973, and we had a, like a Marantz stereo in our living room. And before my home sort of became a broken home, I was four, and we had a pretty hefty record collection. Thank you. Thanks so much. We had a pretty hefty uh, record collection, and I would hear over and over on the radio the song Sir Duke, which is uh, the Stevie Wonder song from Songs in the Key of Life. And I, 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 it was the first song I really knew all the words to, but I didn't know what they meant or who they were talking about. I didn't right. know Satchmo, like when he says, There's Basie Miller, Satchmo, and the King of all Sir Duke. Wow. You know, and, and, it just, and then the whole thing also, too, was the song said, You can feel it all over, you can feel it all over, people. Yeah. I felt like one of those people. I feel like, much like uh, Willie Nelson... You know, even though I'm originally from the Midwest and up there, 
people will say, oh, I don't like country music, but I like Willie Nelson. Right. And I'm like, well, then you like country music. He is country music. You like country music, you know. But they have this different idea of what, what that might entail. I think the same thing is true. It's very, very hard not to like Willie Nelson. It's very, very hard not to like Stevie Wonder. Everybody has a seat at the table in a Stevie Wonder song. Everyone. Got a great Stevie Wonder story. I'm ready for it. So I was up in Colorado. My friends came up. They were they got this little town, and so this guy told us that we had to go to this graveyard to go see this um, this little girl get out of her grave and go run around. And you could hear her screaming, and we said bullshit. That's not going to happen. Well, and, and you wait a second. And you went. We not only did we went, we went <laughs> back to our camp, we went back to our you? campsite. And we ate mushrooms <laughs> and we drank. Okay. Now it's starting beer, to make sense. And we and we drove there, listening to Thin Lizzy and Stevie Wonder, Sir Duke. Oh yeah, Sir so Duke. that's my Sir Duke story. No kidding. Yes. Oh, see, I mean, that's and when the I thing. went when we went across the bridge to get into this, the the guy that took us there that day, he had or there were two sticks that we had tried to prop the, the gate up with, in, in a cross. And so yeah. we were like, oh, it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, so that's my story. But well, please, I, mean, I think proceed. that most. No, it's okay. I think most people have. Uh, it's your show. But uh, uh, I think most people have like this sort of Stevie Wonder soundtrack of their lives and don't notice. There's a lot of people who didn't dig Tom Petty, you know, as in like went out and bought a lot of records, but they know so many of the songs and they know that whether they like it or not, it's the soundtrack to their life. Now for me, I heard it and it was infectious. Right. And I, I hadn't started singing in church yet. I started singing in church literally when I was seven. I was a boy soprano. And so I would sing in church and stuff like that. Like before I could read music, the choir director would just move her hand up and down. Like you yeah. have to go high on the next note. You have to go low on the next note. Right. And by the time I was 10, I was, I was, uh, you know, singing national anthem at Cleveland Indians game every once in a while and stuff like that. Wow. Like I was a boy soprano, like freak of nature, weird kid. My voice changes when I started playing guitar, but all through every type of phase I have ever been in my life, I constantly go back to Stevie Wonder because there's just something about the way it makes me feel. There's something about the fact that you have to move, you know, when you there's listen that to soul. it. There's yeah, that, I mean, there's that. Soul is I mean, absolutely the word, but you know, and you've got a lot of that in your music. I mean, it's I, nice I, I can hear. feel it, and I can I can hear it. It's it, that's the, I aspire to that. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, uh, with Stevie, it's just uh, it just never ever changed. It's so it's so bad that my beautiful and extremely patient Canadian wife. <laughs> Like, I, I can't listen to, if we're on a road trip, I can only listen to Stevie for so long because she knows I just start, go, I just turn into a little kid. I mean, I start right, singing along. Talk to, talk to me about you turning, I want to I see this. When I turn I mean, into I a little this. kid, I can't stop singing along. It makes me really, really, really happy. If it's sad, I'm crying. If it's happy, I'm in there. If it's deep, I'm feeling it. If it's just music, you know, sometimes that's even the best. Um, and there are not a lot of people who... Um, I mean, and then I got older, I started finding out all these things about him, and sometimes you find out about your heroes, and you don't like it. I found out about my one big hero, and was like, this is incredible. He was everything that I thought he was. He was playing all the instruments on the album. I always loved the fact that he could play all the instruments. He could play horns, he could play bass, he could play I drums. I didn't know that. But here's the great thing, he never played guitar. The one thing that he That's wouldn't why touch... I you. 
and it was weird. It was like this guy. How do I? You know, I found that out like maybe in my teen or uh, 18, 19. Uh, you know, he didn't play him on everything, but he could, and there were certain tracks yeah. where he did. Plus that that chromatic harmonica, man, is just so uh, soulful know. and so beautiful. And, it's and a perfect lead. And if anybody doesn't like Stevie Wonder, there's a problem. Well, you know, I mean, I just I feel like they're missing out, or they like him and they don't realize they they like him. Like I remember joking about it with somebody like Jimmy LaFave. I was like, I, you know, uh, the late Jimmy LaFave. I was like, I'm. Mm. Because people would say, well, who's your favorite this? And they go, oh, you can't say that. And I'd go, yeah, it's kind of easy for me. Yeah. Like, I can just well, easily say Stevie Wonder. It's just Stevie Wonder is the, my, my, my favorite of so everything. What, what I'd like to say now is that one of your albums is the best of Sacred Steel. And yeah. I, it's one of my be- top five. Best ofs are not typically what I would no, consider. No, but the uh, reason I have to do and that. And I, I want to hear this. Yeah, the reason I have to do that is because, okay, so for a little bit of backstory... Sacred Steel is sacred music. Yes, it is. It is from uh, the House of God and Keith Dominion and these churches that were in Rochester, New York and down in Florida. And the main instrument in these African-American churches was the steel guitar. And for a long time, if you left and you played secular music you would not be let back in to play sacred music because it was meant to be only for that. And there's a lot of people that I looked up to as pioneers of this instrument because they don't just play steel guitar, man. They play steel guitar with, with like pedal steel with distortion and wah-wah and it's screaming and it's vocal and it's, it's just so, that's the lead instrument in the band. And as I was growing up and learning how to play dobro and bluegrass bands, which is another type of steel right. guitar, you know, yep. the one that has the hubcap sure. in it, and learning how to play, you know, I never thought I'd learn pedal steel, but Willis Allen Ramsey asked me to try his, and I borrowed his. And when I was playing with him, he was like, why don't you just sit down? And I'm like, oh, God, now i got to learn how to play this thing. And oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, now you get to play like, But I was terrified. Instruments. Terrified. Yeah, and um, especially that one. By the way, that's one of my top five albums. Which one? Willis on Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, and I could easily put that on there. Yeah, it's just by the way, everybody that's listening, the, the only reason you're hearing that is because we're having to do this remote. Yes, yes, and we're, we're doing it remote. Joe's Coffee House right after um, Jeff did his. I was co-hosting uh, a radio program that I do yes. every once in a while. That's a really cool thing for me to do. Uh, one time, David Arnsberger asked me to come down and co-host because he was like, "Well, we get musicians every once in a while," and, a, <laughs> and apparently, David really liked it because I would ask musical questions of the yeah, guests, just like you did tonight. Like I did tonight, with Seth James was killing it tonight. He with was his band. awesome. He was, he was killer. But the people at Sun Radio loved it because I would kind of give David a lot of shit. Yeah. And I would mess with him, like, you know, and easy. and he he wanted it, you know, and he was fine with it too. So we got pretty funny on the air. So now I hardly ever do it because I'm not around as much. I'm touring now. Right. Um, but well, if I get a chance, I come and I do it. I, I think it's Tonight awesome. Was I think it's, yes, it was. Beautiful night. But back to what we were talking about. Sacred Steel. Sacred Steel. I love the fact, I looked into it. Yeah. And it's like 1930s, the woman that started the, yeah. the Church of God, she, yeah. was the, she died, then it split into three yep. sections. That's exactly right? right. And then basically what happened was that two of them took up the steel guitar. You have done your homework, sir. I, I'm trying to do my homework because that's, 
That's what I'm supposed to do, but right? Isn't it crazy when you it's... hear this for the first time? You're like, I've never heard this music. I'll I... tell you how I found it. Please. Okay, this is... Uh, anybody who knows me knows that uh, I love the, uh, the joke about name dropping. <laughs> you used to always say it like this. When you name drop, you're trying to make yourself appear one rung higher on the entertainment ladder, leaned against the wall of illusion and broken dreams. In fact, I was talking about that with Ray Wiley the other day. I want to have and he a... agrees with me that name dropping is a horrible, horrible, disgusting, you know. So you, just, you just do what you got to do. So I'm playing a, a, a folk festival called the Kate Wolf Festival in California with Ray Wiley. And there's a band playing after you playing us. with him? Yeah. You're playing... Yeah, nice. I'm okay. playing. I'm playing dobro for him, and it's like me and him and a dobro player. Uh, I'm sorry, and a fiddle player named Eamon McLaughlin who plays with Rodney Crowell now. And, okay. Um, so the three of us go out there and we're playing like a midday set. And Ray says, "Oh, this uh, steel player is going to sit in with us." And I was like, "Oh, okay." He asked to sit in with us. So this is uh, Chuck Campbell from right. the Campbell Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently, and apparent, I, I heard that. I yeah, heard those guys. So, and a, apparently, the Campbell brothers are playing after us. So all my life, I was always kind of like, you know, if I could figure out a way, because everybody wanted me to play dobro in rock bands, right? And I could never get it loud enough. It just sounded stupid. So I had gone to a luthier and said, why don't you make me something that's like a bunch of electric guitar parts, but it's in the body of a dobro. There's no hubcap and. Right. I won't, I won't yeah, yeah. have to worry about anything. I can use all my pedals. And so Tony Nobles built one. That was the first plank guitar that's named after me. And awesome. that was me trying to create something that they were already doing for years. They were already doing it, but they were doing it with lap steels and pedal steels. So I was already trying to bridge this in my head. And then all of a sudden I heard them and I was like, that. That's what you want. That's what I'm trying to do, and nobody gets it when I explain it to them. Right. right but yeah. they're already doing it. But they're doing it with church music. And that's that. That because when I first listened to that album, yeah. I, I was like, okay, this is super gospel, mm -hmm. but it's it's super plank. Like, oh, I that's heard really cool. I heard all of you can like, hear the influence. Yes, of I, I, that was the first thing I thought. Was, those are the two things. Actually, I, I thought influence first, sure. and then plank influence. Yeah. Well. I mean, really, man, it, it, it was it's huge how it changed my life because after we played, the Campbell Brothers played, there was no bass guitar. There were two steel guitars. One of the steel guitars, one of the steel guitar brothers and the Campbell Brothers would thump the bass, and it sounded like a Fender bass, and he'd go boom, 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 boom on one of the steels. And the, the other one was just wailing with a wah-wah and distortion and it's uh, back and forth yeah and then and then that led me to Robert Randolph before Robert mm -hmm. Randolph had gotten into the world of secular music he was in that church and he left that church to go do secular stuff now the story that I have been told now is that a lot of them go out and do secular stuff it's been okayed by certain churches not okay by other churches it just depends but it's, it's absolutely fascinating to me. I've never been to a service, um, you know, but much like, uh, you know, I would sit in at Mount Zion with my buddy Yogi, you know, over here in East Austin. And yeah, there's music from the beginning in the African-American tradition of this type of church. From the beginning of the sermon to the end, the music doesn't stop. And that's the same thing. It's like when the preacher starts doing a sermon, there's organ behind it. And they're looking at me like, play. 
play. And I'm like, well, play what? And they're like, no, 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 play. Yeah. Just keep playing, you know? And uh, I, I just, how can you not be influenced by that? So many songs also from those, you can go directly from certain songs and go, well, that kind of sounds like the beat to Homecoming, and that kind of sounds like the tone I wanted to get on Trouble Find Me, and, and then on Heaven on Earth, that sounds like that same shuffle beat from this Glenn Lee tune, or, or from this Aubrey Gent tune, or stuff like that, you know? It just blew yeah, me away you know, and changed my life. I mean, I was raised a Methodist child, mm. and it, it, there were, the, the music was, oh, oh yeah. That's what know, I sang in church first. And, but, yeah, but, I mean, when I think about if I had to grow up and you had a choice if I had a choice <laughs> and I grew up and so I would want to grow up and African American got some church. soul yeah. yes that's yeah. like the Blues Brothers I mean a lot of this stuff sounds like the Blues Brothers well it does and that's why that scene from the Blues Brothers that's why that satire was so funny it, it was because because they were kind of uh, making fun I know a lot of blues people who really hate the movie the Blues Brothers um but the reason being is that it makes fun of the blues or it makes fun of white guys doing the blues or it makes fun of this. And like the way I always saw it was, you know, these guys who just didn't have it, had it because they thought that they had it. Right. You okay. know, these incredible that. comics. And then, I mean, you, it's undeniable the rest of the music in that is beyond good from John Lee Hooker to Aretha Franklin to James I mean, the, Brown to all whoever the, the people they had in that movie I mean the, and the, the band Blues come on the band was sick um, anyway not to go too off on the Blues Brothers I don't for me it's just like uh, I think that musicians learn at a very very early age that diversity is a good thing and that it just happens musically like we don't care who you are, or where you come from, if you can play or you can sing. And we learn that lesson, so it makes it a lot easier for us. I think that a lot of the division that's in this world and going on right now is because people don't sit down at the table in front of each other like we are right now. It's very hard to hate somebody when you're sitting down at the table with them. Well, when we get together and play music... Nobody's hating each other. We're there. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, or you at least... it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, it doesn't, it doesn't. Now, at the same time, it is very, very good to honor traditions, and it's good to know where things come from, and it's good to try your best not to turn into, say, I mean, I just, I hate to use the word, like, uh, like, cultural appropriation has a lot of meanings these days. Okay. But I cannot help be influenced by things. You know, there's a difference between being influenced and just like ripping it off, you know. And uh, I think if you're wise and you're caring and you understand a little bit about the history of anything, and if you even just try to know the history of the type of music that you're getting into, then you probably have a little bit better chance of not being a poser. (laughs) Hopefully. Uh, Agreed. And no choice, because if I like the music, it's going to seep in there whether I, I don't know, yeah, I don't have any choice. You know. Yeah. All right. Other albums. Um, what, what was the Pick other one? one. Uh, Towns of Patty. Patty. Let's talk about Patty because so I've never really been a fan of Patty Griffin. Gotcha. Uh, that's a challenge accepted. And you picked that, and I was like, okay. And so then I did my research and I looked into it. Before you listened? The, no, actually, while while I was, li- while I was listening. Good. And that they basically said that that she had 
kicked ass, and I forget some record company. I forget who it was. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I don't know which one, but I know the story. The, but yeah, and so they said, "Hey, listen, this is overproduced." And so, uh, was it Niles came in and said, "Okay, we're just going to do it with you. We're going to break it down way down." Yeah. And, and they broke it down to the point where the album is her and a guitar. Almost. There's there's other stuff. There's in there. one guitar on "Time Will Do the Talking" that's a high strung guitar. I thought there was some bass in there too. I don't think so, man. I'm pretty sure that the I entire to it album. With my headphones on. All right. Well, so I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. I think that the only on "Time Will Do the Talking" there's a high strung Nashville tune guitar just kind of strumming. But so but. I also thought about it and I was like, oh my, this is like incredible because she's got this like Alanis Morissette mm. deal and she's also somebody else that, that but. Alanis came out with hers the year before, and I was like, I thought that it would be the different way, the other way around. Anyway, your thoughts? Okay, well, it's pretty easy for me. So, uh, at the urging of Ray Wiley Hubbard, we always go back to him a little bit. I moved to Texas, and I drive to Texas with a. I've been living in Nashville before that, Ann Arbor, and I had a Geo Prism and a hundred dollars, and a couple of guitars. And I drove straight to Ray's house, and I lived with Ray and Judy and Lucas. Lucas was like six. Now he plays guitar for for Ray, and he just got married. I didn't know he got married. Yeah, it was just a couple weekends ago. It was a great wedding. Anyway, uh, we're driving back from Austin to Wimberley in the time where I'm still living with him. And I don't know if it's a Segway City is on KUT or what, if it's a Larry Monroe program, but... I swear in that one sitting, I heard McMurtry, Bob's Lonely Land album, Bob Schneider, back when the, yeah. he had yeah. Bruton yeah. and everybody totally in it. Great record. And I remember asking him about James McMurtry and going, what is this? And I remember asking him about Bob, going, I ended up playing with Bob. And then Patty came on, and it was the song Every Little Bit. Oh, come on, dude. That... We That's the one. did not say a word. He just goes, oh, this is Patty. And I said, okay. And then, like, I was just stopped dead in my tracks. Her with a guitar, her voice. And I, I, I didn't even talk very much after the song was done because I was so freaked out and blown away. Now, Ray had had her sing some backups on his album. Right. And she was starting to get, um, she was, uh, she happened to be dating a friend of mine at that time and she was living with him and, and, uh, she was just, was that Robert Plant? No, no, I'm just <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, this is a long time ago. And, uh, I don't know exactly when living with ghosts came out, but I knew that it was being played. 86, I think. What's that? 86, I no. think. Was it 96? Yeah, that sounds okay. more like it. It was still getting so much play in Austin, I could hear it almost every day before I owned I it. I still hear it today. Yeah. And every little bit was just like, I, I couldn't believe the lyrics. I couldn't believe her, her instrument. Um, there are only a few people that I have been next to, like physically, like you and I are right now, right. whose instrument ever freaked me out. I know a lot of people with great voices. Is she a voices. guitar player? She's a really, really, really great self-accompanist. And she sounds like Patty. She doesn't right. sound like anybody else beating the soup out of it. I love that. Yeah. I mean, and that's what you want, you know. Uh, you know, I'm kind of from the school of, uh, I love what Gerf Morlick said once. He said, someone who's technically good is not good. 
Because if you have to say they're, I mean, and he didn't even say anything else, but his point, the way I took his point was, if you have to say they're technically good, then you're talking about the fact that they can play fast. Who cares? You know, it's like, it's, does, it, does it hit you musically? I like to think like a child when I listen. You know. Good, because I believe I did the same thing. I don't, I don't believe that somebody... That, people say that, that Jimi Hendrix is the best guitarist of all time, whatever. Or somebody else, I believe that Keith is, because hmm. the way that he feels and, and the riffs that he kicks out. That's, Fair enough. That's for me. But I'm go. not an accomplished guitarist like you are. Well, and what the hell do we know anyway? Another thing I'll I tell you know. right... Yeah, what the hell, you know, uh, another thing that I really love is, uh, I, you know, I, I enjoy advice, I enjoy musical compliments, I enjoy stuff way more when it comes from somebody who doesn't play for a living. Because they're just going to tell me whether they dig it or not, or it hit me, or I, that song means so much to me, or I loved your solo, they're not going to go, why'd you use a diminished seven chord there? Because who gives a crap? That's uh, I'd much I, rather I love listen. that you say that. I don't want to listen is. to you know. And my, my friends like I tell them, I, I want to listen like a child. Like Pablo said, uh, Picasso says, uh, I want to feel it. it. Well, he said, I, I it took me my whole life to learn how to draw like a child again. I'm I'm misquoting it. That's fine. But isn't that beautiful? You know, it took me. Um, it's taking me my whole life to learn how to listen like a child again. And that's what I want. I want to enjoy music and not go to a show and think. Oh man, he doesn't have enough monitor. Or, or who gives it? Right? You know, I ruined it for my wife one time, man. My wife comes back from a show, and she has oh, this just killed me. It makes me it makes me like always want to take her to shows where I don't know the band, and it's something that she loves, and just zip my mouth shut. Because she goes to she has a friend come down. She's from Vancouver Island in Canada. Okay. Friend comes down, never been to Austin. They go to Antones. They go see a band. I'll leave the band nameless. My wife's friend has the time of her life. She goes out, she's on cloud nine. She can't believe how amazing it is. My wife gets home, I'm already in bed. And she goes, you ruined me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, my friend had the time of her life and I'm sitting there going, the Barry Sachs player is so mad right now. They're phoning in this gig. They're totally phoning in this gig. She's like, I kept looking at the sound guy like, look at him. Look at him. You know, and I'm like, baby, I'm so sorry. The, the curtain has been pulled back and she sees the man behind the curtain. All of that. The wizard. Yeah. Oz. Yeah. So I feel for her in that, you know, because she has such a love for music and she doesn't do it for a living. She's a horticulturalist and a gardener. And... Uh, I just don't want to ruin music any more than I already have for, you know. Yeah, but uh, I, I get what you're saying. I like, uh, you know, hopefully soul, you know. But Jimi Hendrix is on my list. Let's talk about Jimi Hendrix because my wife is, she has bought a Jimi Hendrix, two Jimi Hendrix paintings that mm. live in my house. I am not the big, biggest Jimi Hendrix fan, and I'd like to hear... Why he is your... Why I am. Um, when my voice started to change... I At what age? A little over 10. Okay. And I started to get a little crack in the voice. I was no longer hitting the boy soprano notes. <laughs> my big brother was a very accomplished musician. And I was always John's little brother who also plays guitar. Like, oh, you're John's little brother? You right. play too? Yeah. Well, oh, that's great. Uh, so 
he gave me a lot of, I was always five years up on all my friends. Right. So okay. My brother was 15. He was listening to Hendrix. He was listening to the White Album. He was listening to everything. We shared a room. So I listened to all that. So all that stuff and all I wanted, my dad wasn't around. So my father figure was my brother. I wanted him to think I was cool. He knew I could sing. He was playing bass. I'm going to pick up guitar. So I pick up guitar and I start beating the soup out of it like crazy with a cassette tape to Are You Experienced? That was did the it, one. That I was did, the one. Yeah, but here's the thing. I didn't choose that as my album because as I got older, I love that album. But I really feel like for a studio album, Axis Bold is Love, the song content, the crazy, and, and. crazy, wild, you know, the stuff they could do with a four track we can't do today with freaking Pro Tools and Logic. Does it have anything to do with it was an album? Yeah. And there's multiple sides to it? I mean, well, I mean, yeah, the, the two sides, man, everything for me when I started was... I was just on the cusp of vinyl being it, and we were starting yeah. to listen to cassettes. Right. There was a, a minor thing where Me people too. were I doing eight tracks, same, same age-ish. And uh, it, it was a big deal, because listening to a record and trying to figure out a guitar lick is difficult. It is. It got a lot easier instead of moving, <laughs> instead of moving the arm back. You know, we had it easier. We talk about people having YouTube now, and everything you want to learn is there. Yep. It was easier for me than it was for my brother because I could rewind the tape. Hit a lick, rewind the tape, try it again, play along with it. Hit the tape, yep. rewind again, play along with it. Are you experienced? Every single song is slightly pitched different. So it drove me nuts. I'd have to, if I, was, if I wanted to play through beginning to end, are you experienced? And I could. Then I would have to retune my guitar in between every song and stop the tape. <laughs> But I, I kind of found when I started learning about it that the one thing about Jimi Hendrix, whether you are a Keith guy or whoever, and it's interesting because you, you make a good point to me. Um, I don't think anybody who came after Hendrix wasn't influenced by him, whether they like it or not. He, they, because you can't, like you can't say uh, Clapton wasn't because everything cl changed when Clapton heard him. You can't say Pete wasn't. Everything changed. Okay. You know. Now, the interesting thing that I haven't thought of didn't really change Keith's playing that much. It Keith did. was a groove guy. He still played. Yeah. Slashy, sloppy. Yeah, yeah jangly. Yeah. You know? And so uh, this isn't why it's my, uh, you know, whether or not I think that he's whatever, greatest of all time. I, I, I don't like things like that anyway. Who I gives a agree. whatever, right? But. If I had to like sit and listen to an album, if I only had five albums, Desert Island, Go to Jail, whatever, right? You know, <laughs> I got I five like albums to, to take. Yeah, I like Go to Jail too. So if I end up in jail, knock wood, but I don't. Probably will. Yeah, well, maybe in this political atmosphere. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, the, the Axis Bold is Love is that because the same kind of feeling that I would get listening to a Stevie Wonder album or listening to a Patty Griffin song is like this, this bubbling up in my chest of emotion when I hear a lyric put in song that affects me in a certain way. And all of those things happen with Axis Bold is Love, with, ha with, with Happen, with Wait Until Tomorrow, that happen with the songs, 
you know, on that album. And same thing for songs in the key of life. They just they hit me, and I just is it get a lyric? Emotional, both. Is it a lyric or is it a, a groove or yeah? A, 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 I mean, with the style or with what? you know, I remember you know getting to the end of Axis, and it just hits this big bam. Anger, he smiles, frowning in shiny metallic purple armor. Green jealousy waits behind him. You hear it. You know, her fiery green down stares at the grassy ground or something like that. Blue all of the life-giving waters taken for granted. They quietly understand. One's happy turquoise to love. Clearly you've never heard this Uh, Right. You know what I'm saying? And those words, who knows what the crap they mean? I don't know what they mean. I know what they mean to me. Which was also, well, and that was a great teaching lesson, too. It was just like... Don't tell them too much because then you're going to take away what it meant for them. I love it. All right. Now, <laughs> I want to wrap this up a little bit right now. Yeah, sure. We still haven't oh, talked about towns. Well, I know we haven't, but maybe we're going to have to do an ep- a different episode. Oh, okay, because we're almost we, there. Yes. But I do want to hear, actually, I want to talk really quick about your music. Okay. So you've got this new single out that is so, like, fucking dirty. It's, it's dirty. It's evil. It's not evil, but it's 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 groovy. It's like True Bloodish. Oh no, that's really cool. Is that the uh, uh, okay? So I put out. What's fo- the newest one? I've heard, I, newest I one's called Shadow of Doubt. That's the one. No, I didn't write that. I don't care. And it doesn't matter because well, I'm I'm doing this project right now like this. My Soul Slide album, two albums ago, was the one that kind of got my solo career started. All I was doing okay. was playing with other people, and then that album kind of took me into a solo career. Good. My Sleeping Dogs album, now I have a solo career, and I don't play with anybody. And I, by the way, I love that album. Thank you. I, I, yes, I, I love it. It's, it's incredible. Man, thanks. Yeah, just Did, honest feedback. Thank you. The uh, uh, thing is, in promoting each album, the Soul Slide album, they were like, you are blues. I'm not promoting Americana. You are a blues man. And I was like, look at me. I'm not a blues man. I was like, if you want to put it to blues radio, fine. I was like, but I have all these Americana people that like me. Okay, so they don't. I get it on like 700 stations around the country. They're playing it. I get in these magazines. It's really cool. This is on Soul Slide. But then all the people in Texas that liked me anyway, well, they played it on their Americana stations. They right. played Trouble Find Me. And a lot. So then I go to make another record, and it just so happens that we go in the studio the day Tom Petty dies. It just changed everything. It just changed the direction of my album and made it, well, I mean, I wasn't planning on making a Roots Rock Americana album. I wanted to go in and make a Jeff Plankenhorn wishes he was the Alabama Shakes with one guy playing steel guitar. (laughs) That was my vision. None of that happened. Tom Petty died. We went in the studio that morning. We're talking about it. And all of a sudden, we start thinking about all these things and these roots rock things that, whether I liked it or not, were huge influences on me. I don't think there's anything on it that sounds like Tom Petty. But we would joke about things like that, that we would know that he said, like, don't bore us, get to the chorus. Right. You know, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. What, what would Mike Campbell do on this solo? Oh, he'd play a lot less. He'd play a couple oh, of notes and it'd be perfect, he's you so know? Great. Right? Yeah. So, okay, so those, those those two records. Now, here's the thing. That record, they were like, your country. No, no, and I do that. And I said to them, I was like, you're like, we're going to, we got to have something for Outlaw Country. I said, look at me. Do I look like Outlaw Country to you? I'm not a blues man. I'm not Outlaw Country. I'm just Jeff, whatever. 
you know? So it's your job to figure out where it goes. I said, what about all these people that listen to me on blues radio? They're going to like certain songs that are on this record. And they were like, nope. I was talking to Kevin Connor about this before uh, the show tonight. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, yeah. You spend all this money on a publicist and they ignore half of your audience because they're in a different genre. Right. And I'm like, okay, that's stupid. So basically, I got this, uh, you know, I've been through managers and booking agents and all this stuff because I'm just not happy until I find somebody I can really work with. Okay. And I found this young man, 20 years younger than me, who got it. And in the last year and a half, my career has become a thing where I may not be a household name, but I got a great audience that really likes my music. And that's what I love about you. I don't Jeff. care, I, man. I, the thing I, I've mentioned, hey, I'm oh, doing a podcast with, with Jeff Blankenhorn. You know who he is? And they're like, no, I don't. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, let me tell you. Anyway, bottom line is that it's been really good talking to you today. Thanks. Thanks Tonight. Man. I guess we're going to call it. Yeah, you just didn't know I was going to talk so much. No, that, but it's it's <laughs> awesome, and I think we still haven't even talked about two of your albums. Yes, you may. But oh. I just want to know, I want everybody else to know where they can find you well, let on me just, the web. Well, the, yeah, basically all the new singles are out on Spotify and on Apple Music and all those things. And uh, I have a jeffplankenhorn.com. It's just like it sounds. All the places where you're supposed to find me, that's where they are. I wanted to put out an album. I wanted to put out stuff that I didn't have to worry about genres. And Shadow of Doubt, it's called Covered and Uncovered because covered is the songs that I'm doing all my own songs now, so I don't usually get to put out covers. Right. So I put the covered songs. One's a Neil Young song. Oh, one's a, brilliant. One is a, uh, uh, my friend Gary Nicholson from Nashville has written, written a lot of songs. And the other two are originals. And... So it's Covered and Uncovered Volume 1, and that's going to, I mean, it's basically all the songs are out now on Spotify, um, but they'll come out on CD and vinyl next month at the 13th at the Townsend in Austin. What's the date on that again? December 13th at the Townsend. It's going to be a conversation. I'm going to have uh, Kevin Connor from Sun Radio MC. I'm going to bring in the artist that did all the artwork for each song. I'm going to bring in my producer, Gabe Rhodes, and not only are we going to play, but we're going to talk about all of that. Love it. Anything else you want to say to your fans? Oh gosh, who are you, and when can I come and play for you? <laughs> are you sexy? No, 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 no. More like, like, man. Uh, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm. I try really, really hard to be grateful that I get to do this for a living. That's it, man. When I first moved to Texas, this will be the last thing because it's really great. Ray Wiley sat me down and he said, Jeff, what do you want to do when you move to Texas? And I said, play music with people that I love and be okay and survive. Beautiful. And he said, do you want a Jaguar in your driveway? And I said, not necessarily. And he goes, well, you can do it. <laughs> My favorite story about Ray Wiley Hubbard that he told me, and I said, yeah, I've got this great um, harmonica player that he plays with me. He said, well, make sure he's a smoker. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, make sure he's a smoker. I said, well, I don't understand what you're saying. He said, it makes you, you don't want him playing the whole time. And that, that's what I, <laughs> that's I, so I, I, right. that's so I, it's a, not so beautiful. All oh, right. Well, perfect. thank you, Jeff, very for welcome. coming and doing this. This was a blast. Next time Even, we'll talk about towns. Yes. And, and, and the other records that you okay, have. Perfect. All right. Thanks guys. I love having people on the show like Plank. I not only get to hear their take on music, but also the other people that they know, the things that they've said to them and how they've influenced them. Plank's got a, quite a few of those stories and I just love them. And again, my apologies for the sound quality. I heard someone once say, the best microphone you have is only the one that you have with you. 
nonetheless, if you've got the gumption, please head over to TheBigGunShow.com. That's TheBigGunShow.com. And check out what we're up to these days. You can also catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, all with the handle of The Big Gun Show Band. The Big Gun Show Band. I'll be back in two weeks, and then every other week after that, close your eyes. You're back on that desert island again. What five records do you have? Until next time.